the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. And I'm using as the text 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3. Wherever there is life, there is growth. Every living thing is growing somehow. That is the way life is. Whatever stops growing is on its way out. The same is true of the spiritual life, which Christ gives us when we are born again. It can never stand still or mark time. Growth is its fundamental law. To be alive in Christ is to be on your way toward maturity. And that means growth. And so Peter, writing to the first century Christians, as well as to us, is seeking to show us the way to spiritual growth. And he presents us with a negative and a positive side of spiritual growth. And so with respect to the negative, he says, he gives us things that hinder spiritual growth. Things that hinder spiritual growth. So Peter mentions here five sinful attitudes that we must get rid of if we want to grow spiritually. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So whenever that word is used, the word therefore, it is important that we look back to see what the writer is saying. Peter has just spent time in the first chapter telling us how wonderful and perfect and eternal our salvation is. We have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. Therefore, because we have been born again by the power of God's word, because we have been uh, made new persons in Jesus Christ, because we have an eternal inheritance awaiting us, there are some things we must get rid of which are detrimental to 
spiritual growth. And the first thing that Peter mentions is malice. Malice. Malice is, a gen, in a general sense, means all kinds of evil. In a more specific sense, it means ill will toward someone, deep-seated feelings against a person, hatred that lasts and lasts, intense, long-lasting bitterness with a desire to get even. Have you ever wished someone would get hit by a car or meet some less fatal harm? See, it is a pretty human emotion or desire, isn't it? And that is just a problem. It is human from our sinful human nature. And we are to get rid of that kind of thinking as believers in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, like Peter, also wants us to get rid of malice as well as some of the other things that he, he mentions in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, uh, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. And a verse that you do not have comes from Philippi, uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So how many of God's children live spiritually defeated lives because of the sin of malice? Rather than forget unkindness by returning good for evil, they are possessed of a malicious desire to get revenge. And so long as there is a vengeful spirit, a believer cannot grow spiritually. But Peter also mentions deceit. Now the Greek word for deceit means to deceive and mislead people. To deceive in order to achieve one's own end. It means going behind someone else's back to push your own plans or agenda. So deception has to do primarily with words. When a person wants something he or she tries to get it by flattery, by false promises, by false tales, by enticing words, or by outright lying. It's a shame when, when people cannot count on a Christian, Christian's words to be truthful. It's a shame when people have to raise questions about our credibility and uh, integrity. Now, Jeremiah chapter eight, 9 and verse 8 gives us an idea about, um, about deceit. It says, Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks with deceit. With his mouth, each speaks cordially to his neighbor, but in his heart, 
he sets a trap for him. Then Proverbs 26 and verse 24. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Peter is saying that Christians must not deceive or mislead one another. It is not Christian. It is something which is connected to the natural man, not to the spiritual persons that we are. So rid yourselves of it, says Peter. It's a mark of immaturity. But then Peter mentions hypocrisy. Now hypocrisy means to play a part, to hide behind a mask, pretending to be someone you are not. Now, Jesus was very strong in his condemnation of hypocrisy in his day. Listen to him as he speaks in Matthew chapter 23, 27, and 28. Jesus says, How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, hypocrisy and, def- and deceit go together. Together they pretend to be sweet and friendly, but are actually quite the opposite. The person who practices hypocrisy may pat you on the back, but you never know when the hand has a knife in it. You see, a hypocrite will say one thing before your face and another behind your back. So so there are many professed Christians whom I would not trust with my life or intimate secrets. Give them the opportunity and they will destroy you in a moment. And all the time smiling with you and pretending to love you. It was the great general Napoleon Bonaparte who said, The people to fear are not those who disagree with you, but those who disagree with you and are too cowardly to let you know it. Hypocrisy does more to turn people away from Jesus Christ than almost any other sin. Many people will not darken the door of a church because they know too many Christians whose lives are a pretense. So Peter is saying, rid yourselves of hypocrisy. It hinders spiritual growth. But then Paul, Peter mentions envy. Envy is a very serious sin, very prevalent and subtle. Webster defines it as discontent or uneasiness at the sight of another's excellence or, great, or good fortune accompanied with some degree of hatred and a desire to possess equal advantages. Now, the best of men, the best of women, the finest of homes, the greatest of countries, and the best of churches have been broken to pieces on the rocks of envy. If the truth were really told... Most of the troubles that you find among Christians in the church could be traced to this one sin of envy. Proverbs chapter 
14 and verse 30 says this about envy. A heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And Galatians 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, envy destroys happiness. It destroys peace of mind. It destroys family relationships. It destroys relationship with God, and it can even motivate one to murder. The person who is possessed by this evil cancer is no good to himself or herself, no good to his or her family, and no good to God. It was the ancient poet Aeschylus who said, Few men have the strength to honor a friend's success without envy. So believers, let us get rid of envy and learn to give thanks to God for any achievement or advancement our fellow believers might receive. Lift them up, give them praise, rather than try to pull them down. But you always have those who will try to pull you down if you are, you know, making uh, good of your life. But that's not a part of the Christian life. As Christians, uh, Peter is saying, get rid of envy because it will destroy you. The Apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, and we need to be content also. But um, number five, uh, Peter mentions slander of every kind. Slander of every kind. Gossip backbiting and slander are synonyms for evil speaking. Slander, says someone, is that which goes in both ears and comes out of the mouth greatly enlarged. All of us are guilty to some extent of gossip, backbiting, or slander. We need to ask God to guard our lips and prompt every word that fall from them uh, to be words that can uh, lift up and be an encouragement to others rather than uh, to injure them or hurt them. So believers should sow seeds of peace and blessings, not division and discord. A little girl once said to her mother, "Um, I was a peacemaker today. And the mother asked her if she had settled a quarrel for others. And she said, no, I knew something and I didn't tell it. All of us need to be like that little girl. When you know something that will hurt somebody else, you don't speak about it so that they can be hurt. Now, in the year 1752, a group of men at Oxford University in England which included uh, brothers John and Charles Wesley, as well as George Whitfield, a great evangelist. They were named Methodists because they had a method of, of, um, of living, of doing their lives. And these men uh, signed a covenant which would hang in every Christian's home. The six articles of this solemn agreement uh, were, one, 
that we will not listen or willingly inquire after ill concerning one another. Two, that if we do hear any ill of each other, we will not believe it. Three, that as soon as possible, we will communicate what we hear by speaking or writing to the person concerned. That until we have, and four, until we have done this, we will not write or speak a syllable of it to any other person. And five, that neither will we mention it after we have done this to any other person. And number six, that we will not make any exception to any of these rules unless we think uh, and ourselves absolutely obliged uh, in conference with one another. That is something that these men and all three of these men of that group, you know, John Wesley, the great leader of the Methodists and uh, the great evangelist of the, of, the, of the 18th century, his brother Charles Wesley has written many of the hymns, wrote more than 2,000 hymns. And George Whitfield was the great evangelist who actually died in Newport, Newburyport, Massachusetts, and is buried under the, under the, um, the, the, the pulpit where he, was, um, where he preached. And so the way we treat one another has a direct impact on our relationship with God. You cannot treat people unkindly and gossip about them and harbor bitterness. You can have a sharp tongue and a critical spirit, and you can look down your nose at people who aren't like you. But as long as you do that, you will never grow spiritually, not even if you come to church four times a week and go to Bible study every other day. And that explains why some people can come to church for years and never seem to get any better. They make excuses for their envy. They ignore their gossip. They make light of their cutting comments. And they justify their meanness to others. And they don't grow because they can't grow according to John in 1 John chapter 4, he says, we cannot say I hate you to a friend or family member and then say, Lord, I love you. Please bless me right now. It doesn't work that way. But let's, let's, let's move on. So we have, <laughs> we have seen some of the things that hinder spiritual growth. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. And now Peter is giving us the positive side, the things that will help us to grow spiritually. And he says here, crave pure spiritual milk. Crave pure spiritual milk. First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted 
that the Lord is good. You see, for growth we need food, and as Christians, the food we require is pure spiritual milk, which is the Word of God. We are to greatly desire God's Word like a baby desires its uh, mother's milk. You see, newborn babies are born with a sucking instinct, and they crave their mother's milk, just naturally, automatically. And mother's milk, or whether you use formula, imitation mother's milk, uh, is necessary for the growth of babies. See, God designed a mother's milk to be the best source of nutrition for the new baby. And God designed his word to be the source of nourishment for the believer. The word which brought spiritual life to us becomes the means of sustenance and growth for us as Christians. Peter's point is that it is the living and abiding word of God that brought us new life. He is saying you have, a, you have already experienced its power. It moved you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. It moved you out of, the, out of the wrath of God into the grace of God. It moved you from being a child of the devil to being a child of God. It moved you from being an enemy to being a son or daughter of God. You have already experienced the power of the abiding, eternal word of God. It regenerated you. It converted you. It justified you. It uh, transformed you. It sanctified you. It gave you new life. It gave you new, a new heart. It gave you a new mind, a new perspective. It gave you a new power, a new joy, a new peace, and a totally new existence. And so Peter's question then is this. If you already know the, the uh, power of the word, why would you not crave what it can continue to do in your life. So newborn babies naturally crave a mother's milk. But apparently this is not the case with newborn babies in Christ. Hence, there is a need for Peter to command us to crave the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. So we all know the power of cravings. Alcoholics crave alcohol. Drug addicts crave drugs. Pregnant women crave who knows what. No. Uh, cra- crave, is a, crave is a powerful word and concept. Craving the word of God is more than just a desire for the word of God. Craving says, I need the word of God and I must have it in order to nourish my soul. The psalmist understood this when he said in Psalm 42 and verses 1 and 2, As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. So we are a blessed people. We have more Bibles than we, can, we know what to do. 
uh, we can have uh, the Bible on, on CD, which is read for us. We don't even have to read it ourselves. Just listen to it. We have access to the scriptures on our, on our smartphones and our um, iPads. Uh, in fact, I have more than a dozen translations of the Bible on my, on my cell phone. Uh, I can turn to it and, and get in very quickly uh, the reading that I want that is that best suits the situation. But many of us who have the, the scriptures available to us uh, do not read it on a regular basis. Now, look at verse, verses 2 and 3 again. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who trust in him. You see, there can be no craving without first tasting. There can be no craving for the word of God without first tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Our experience of God drives our desire for God and the things of God. You get a taste of God's goodness when you came to Jesus Christ. Do you remember what um, that felt like? Do you remember how wonderful it was to have the load of sin lifted off your shoulders? Some of us have forgotten what it was like, that sense of exuberance and joy that we felt like we were walking on air. See, when you forget God's goodness to you, it is easy to become critical and judgmental of others. If you ever remember the goodness of the Lord to you, you won't have the time or the inclination to harbor hatred or bitterness or envy or malice in your heart. Has the Lord been good to you? Have you ever tasted the kindness of the Lord? Has he poured out his mercies on you every morning? Has he been faithful to you? Have you had your prayers answered by the Lord as he brought salvation to your children? Has he given you an opportunity for ministry? Has he given you strength in the midst of a trial or the loss of a life partner or the loss of a child? Has he carried you through the pain of serious illness? Have you tasted of the Lord's goodness? Then give thanks and rejoice in his goodness and you will crave more of it. Because as a baby craves its mother's milk, just as a mother desires to see uh, her babies born of love and pain grow up to maturity, so also it is God's desire to see us grow in our knowledge and understanding and application of the word of God. Brothers and sisters, let us not forget what God has done for us. He has redeemed us from our sins. He has justified us from our guilt. He has forgiven us from, of our past. He has adopted us into his family. He has clothed us with the righteousness of Christ. He has enriched us with all spiritual blessings. 
He has sheltered us in the arms of God and recorded our names in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, how can we ever forget the sacrifice of our Savior? How can we ever forget the grace of our God? How can we ever forget the moment of our conversion, the cost of our redemption, the joy of our salvation, the reason for our hope, the thrill of our anticipation, the joy of our future, and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I think of the goodness of God, somehow the hymn comes to mind, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, if you please, daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.